1: I've hinted on some past episodes that we've been working on some new products at ConnectSense. And on today's episode, Richard and I are going to dive into what those products are, what they do, and who they're for. Additionally, Richard and I talk about Amazon's recent event and all the high-flying products that they announced under their Amazon Echo, Ring, and Eero brands.
0: This is Richard Gunther from the Digital Media Zone. Welcome to The Smart Home Show. I am joined, as usual, by my co-host, Adam Justice from ConnectSense. Hey, Adam. Hey,
1: how are you doing today, Richard?
0: I am doing very well, and I'm kind of excited because I think you have some announcements today. We are going to talk about new products from your company and in the second half of the show, we're going to spend a little bit of time reviewing some of Amazon's recent product announcements as well.
1: Okay, but as usual, before we start that, we have a question to open the show. So this question is for Richard. I'm stealing this term from various uh, tech influencers, but I said it's Techtember, maybe Techtober, depending on when we release this episode. What new products outside of smart home are you excited about or looking forward to? Uh, being announced. Yeah, this is a
0: hard one because smart home and AV are really where my head is these days. So I am going to stay in the AV space. I know I just literally in the last 24 hours tweeted about don't buy AK 8k technology yet for your home video environment. However, I am not to purchase, but I'm really excited to see how that technology has progressed. I really want to see what sorts of things we see coming out around the holidays to entice people to buy. Don't buy. Don't buy yet. Give it another year or two. But this looks like really cool, promising technology. Now, I don't know that I am going to get much out of it because the space... The one space that I have for a household television gathering experience will only accommodate a 55-inch television. I can't do anything larger than that without also then having to buy some blinds and doors and maybe change some furniture that's built in. And I just don't see that happening. But I'm excited about the technology regardless.
1: You need to start digging so you can build a theater.
0: (laughs) Well, so it's interesting you say that because there are two spaces where I've thought about doing that. We have excessive garage space. We have a three-car garage. We do use the three-car garage, but we also have an outbuilding that's a garage. So we have extra space where we could put one of the cars if we wanted to use, like, a bay to create some sort of home theater-like thing. But then underneath the outbuilding is a full, rather large space that is unfinished but could be finished off into something else.
1: There's your space.
0: Yeah. That The only problem with that is that then I have to go outside... No matter what the elements to get to that space, and I don't know how excited I am about that, but but yeah, it that maybe one day, maybe one day.
1: I think I, you just need something that involves like some secret doors or passageways, or we, we <laughs> could figure this out. This could be cool.
0: Okay, how about you, Adam? I
1: think for me, I was pretty underwhelmed. You know me, Apple nerd, pretty underwhelmed by the first event uh, that recently occurred. Um, none of that stuff was things for me. I probably would have done Apple Watch, but I like the one I have, and they did not release a new ceramic model, which I know is very much a first-world problem, so I'm going to hold on to the one I have. I, I also didn't think the upgrade from a Series 5 was a huge addition, so if I, if I want uh, blood oxygen monitoring, I'll just buy a $30 blood oxygen monitor from Amazon. So I would say in, in that category, I'm most looking forward to the iPhone event, which is supposed to come in a couple of weeks here in October. Right. Um, and I'm always usually a upgrade every year. Um, iPhone person. I'm a part of Apple's upgrade program. Um, so I usually turn in my current phone, then upgrade to whatever's new. So I'm excited to see what's coming there and and that'll be good. The other kind of category I'm, Very excited for is new game consoles and kind of pairs with your 8K stuff. Both the new game systems coming out this year uh, speak to have 8K capabilities in the future. So I have some pre-orders in uh, for actually both of the new consoles. I was pretty excited to to nab that. I don't know that I'm going to keep the Xbox one. Traditionally, I'm an Xbox guy. Um, but when they moved back Halo, I, there's nothing I'm super excited about in the Xbox realm. So I at least have the pre order for now, but I might cancel it.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I predicted that that Halo pushback was going to be a problem for them around the holidays.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, ultimately, as a Halo fan, I'd rather see them do it right than uh than rush it. So. And that's what also gives me pause for, for buying a day one system is uh, I'd be really interested in maybe a Halo version of, of the system if they're going to release one when that game comes out. TBD on that. But I'm excited for new consoles. That's very cool. Well, if you want to submit a question for us to open the show, uh, you can send a question on Twitter using the hashtag Ask Adam and Richard.
0: All right, well, we're going to get into some discussion about your new product announcements. But first, I just wanted to take a moment to thank a listener of the show, John. John's actually somebody that I know from the industry. And he sent us a quite comprehensive list of the worldwide Z-Wave frequencies and... Well, I was totally wrong with what I was, I think I was saying it was 914 or 941, something like that. The US frequency for Z-Wave is 908.4 or maybe it's and 916 megahertz. So, uh, you know, it's kind of crazy that there were two pages of different frequencies used around the world by one technology.
1: That's crazy. Yeah, I mean, you were in the right ballpark at least. That that 900 band is um, you know, really good for distance and reliability and through building materials and all that. We've done a lot of experiments at Grid Connect over the years around that that band. So, I can see why it's as strong as it is.
0: All right. Well, thank you very much, John. We totally appreciate that. So, let's dive into it, Adam. You have two new products that you're launching. And this is probably the best opportunity for people to really find out a whole lot about each. So you want to tell us what's going on here? Yeah. So
1: we are launching two new products. uh, that are a little bit different than what we've done in the past. And this is in that we're working with another partner for and utilizing their hardware, and our team has done all the software and firmware that goes on the devices. So in the past, the devices are ones where we design the full hardware and, and produce it. This one, we're working with a partner on that. And so these two devices are called the Rebooter and the Easy Lamp Controller.
0: Hmm, it's like their names almost describe maybe what they do. I like that.
1: Yes, we're we're not we're not super great at naming, but uh, yeah, we wanted to at least give uh, some basic descriptors in the name.
0: Now, are these ConnectSense branded products?
1: Yes, they are ConnectSense branded products, and they are available on Amazon uh, right now.
0: Wow! Okay, so let's dive into it. You want to start with the Rebooter?
1: Yeah, so I mean, the, the Rebooter, what it does is it intelligently monitors your internet connection. So, it's a little bit different form factor of a device. It's kind of shaped like a power cord and it's meant to go behind devices uh, for modems, routers, anything that you may need to reboot. You can do this. And and what it does is it pings multiple different sources to determine if the internet is down and uh, who this is for really anyone who doesn't want to go down in the basement or move something uh, in order to reboot it. So just give you that configurable way to to do a reboot. And literally when you hit the button in the app, it will turn it off and turn it back on. And the advantage over like a standard smart plug for this is if you reboot your Wi-Fi or your internet on a smart plug, you don't have any way to turn it back on. So having that configurable way to shut it off and turn it back on, you know, is something that all devices don't do. Um, and I mentioned the form factor. It also has a giant big button. So if you want to manually reboot something, you just hit that button and it'll perform that on off cycle. And then it's totally configurable. So if you have different timings, how long you want it to wait, how long you want it to see how long, if the internet's out or not, um, before it actually performs the reboot. So a lot of that is very configurable and, um, all totally customizable.
0: So, I'm being, I'm trying to figure this out. This, this is assuming you still have power, but you don't have internet. This is Correct. addressing an internet problem or maybe not even necessarily an internet problem. You may just have a device that goes nuts every once in a while and needs to be rebooted frequently enough that this would serve that purpose for you too, right? Right. And
1: that's one of the cool options in here too. We also have the ability to do a scheduled reboot, which literally at one time, and my father's uh in their condo in Florida, um, they had a really janky internet setup, which is now I've fixed. But they're, the way I had it working at one time was I literally took those light timers you would buy at the store for like $5. Yes. Yep. And I set them up so that it would reboot their internet every night. And that like kept the Wi-Fi working strongly. So you could actually do that in a digital, you know, a little bit more sophisticated way um, (laughs) with this device, you could set up a scheduled reboot. So if you have a device that just gets wonky every once in a while, you can do it, you know, whatever, once a week and schedule that reboot and it'll keep it healthy and, um, you know, constantly in the right state.
0: Yeah. Okay. That, so this is configurable you're it's plugged in presumably as a pass-through type thing?
1: Exactly. Yeah, so you plug it into the outlet and then plug it into the device and it's just a a pass-through of power.
0: You said it's configurable, so does this work off of its own app? Like how how do you interact with this?
1: Yeah, it's it's in the ConnectSense app, so um, yeah, you can, you can talk to it through there. Um, it also does integrate with Google Assistant. Unfortunately, no Amazon integration for right now. Google Assistant has a reboot command in it. And, um, nice. just, you know, we've talked a little bit about the flexibility of some of these ecosystems in the past. Um, this is one of the advantages to, to some of the things Google's doing here. Um, so yeah, we were able to configure it up as a smart home skill. Uh, in Google. And you can literally say, you know, reboot my modem or whatever it's called. And uh, the Google assistant will be able to do that. So pretty sleek uh, there. Because the Amazon doesn't have like a direct function for this in their smart home API, we're going to look at this and possibly do something later. Right now, I think the only option we'd have would be to do a custom skill that's really not ideal. So we want to look into something a little sophi- more sophisticated and, and get it right. So coming down the line for, for further compatibility. But you'll notice one that isn't in there, which I wanted to talk about, which is no HomeKit support.
0: Oh, okay. So
1: bit a bit of a departure for us because I know we've been strong HomeKit supporters. In the case of the Rebooter, there really isn't any device type like this in HomeKit and um certainly we could work with apple and and work on that but for both these products we kind of view this as an experiment and didn't want to put the investment into doing all the homekit stuff um there's a lot more time integration testing stuff that needs to go into that so we're going to start with you know google and amazon um for now and see where these devices go and we'll tackle HomeKit if you know if they're really successful and we want to add that
0: down the line. And you mentioned that in the past that it's just a significant investment to take on that Apple integration. How about Siri shortcuts, though? Is that something that you're thinking you might support?
1: Yeah, I'm certainly open to that. I, I think that could be an interesting um, way to kind of get around that, especially for the rebooter. That could be a really cool way to still have some integration on the Apple side.
0: Right, right. Now, you have in your notes that this uses an easy setup capability, but I think that's something that's shared between these products that you're launching. Do you want to talk about your other product first?
1: Uh, No, we can talk about easy setup, and then that'll transition into the other product. You know, while I'm totally a believer that the HomeKit setup methodology is you know, one of the industry best, we wanted to do as much as we could to ease this process. And so um, there's a QR code on these devices. And so when you're going through the setup process, the app tells you to scan the QR code. And that QR code contains unique information for that device so that we can automatically join you to that device's hotspot to do the Wi-Fi, you know, password dance. You know, I think it makes it Pretty easy. The user is not having to switch apps, go into settings, any of that kind of stuff. Um, then from there you just select your Wi-Fi network, uh, enter your password, and you're pretty good to go. So pretty seamless experience and without, you know, some of those hoops that we've had to do in the past when um having to do the device hotspot thing for setup. So the other thing, the other portion that's sort of part of this easy setup is we're also walking the user through um, getting their device set up so asking questions about you know in the case of the rebooter uh, we're going to ask actually ask you what is this hooked up to so is this hooked up to a modem hooked up to a router and then for a, a normal user we're going to configure those settings how long it waits before it reboots it things like that based on what type of device you're connected to Um, There's still some advanced settings, so if you want to go in and customize it, you can do that. Um, But for the, the standard user, we're trying to hold their hand a little bit more and configure it out of the box to get them up and running.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Now, what if you have a couple of these? You've already set one of these up. I remember from my ringing experience that once I set up a ring device. And I think this worked the same way on Wemo too. Once I set up a device and had it connect to the network, then I didn't have to do that whole network reauthentication with every other device I added. Is that something that you're able to do? Or does each device have to kind of separately join the network?
1: Uh, right now, each device has to separately join the network. If we wanted to do that, uh, we would actually have to store your Wi Fi credentials on the app, which you could do securely on the app encrypted. Um, we've actually done that on some other customer projects that we've done before. So it is possible. I think it was just not in scope for this kind of initial run at it, but it's definitely, that would definitely be a good thing we could add in the future.
0: And presumably that's just something that you could add with, to, to just work on future hardware or even right. existing hardware if it's a software upgrade.
1: Yeah, it would be an app update. It wouldn't even yeah. be uh, a firmware update. So, yeah, something like that is definitely possible.
0: Okay, cool. Now, let's look at the other product. The other product you said is called the Easy Lamp Controller. I'm betting, let me think, it controls lamps easily?
1: Yeah, exactly. So yeah, we, with this, you know, we've found through our other products that, uh, controlling lamps is one of the kind of key use cases that everybody does with smart plugs. And so for this product, you know, we really wanted to tailor that experience and just make it as simple and easy as possible for somebody who wants to control a lamp and focus in on what they want to do with it and just make it as simple as possible. So, you know, who is this for? I think this audience and the people who listen to our show, this is probably not a device for you. You know enough to buy a smart plug and 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 do it, but my hope would be that this is the type of device you'd wanna give to a family member that's not super tech savvy and know that they're gonna get a good experience and walk through the steps they need to do to do this. So, you know, I mentioned in the easy setup, with the lamp, we're walking you through getting it connected to Wi-Fi, but then we're also asking, do you want to set up a schedule for this device? And doing that as part of the setup process so that people can easily, um, you know, have a fully set up and scheduled device out of the box and ready to
0: go. When you say lamp controller, one of the things that comes to mind for me, the difference between a lamp and a, say, smart plug might be the ability to dim that lamp. Is that something that this does? No, this is on off only.
1: Um yeah, the so
0: dimming keeping the it di- really simple.
1: Really simple. Yep. Yeah, we could look at the dimming thing down the line. It's definitely a different type of device because you're actually changing the voltage on the on the line instead of just turning a relay on and off. So right. I know like Lutron has one of those the reason we've avoided that in the past, because we've get that question all the time on our other plugs too, is that if you put the wrong kind of device into a dimmer oh, and yeah. then don't apply enough voltage, you can actually damage devices and even like some lamps and stuff like that too. So it could, you really have to kind of know what you're doing there and what you want to do. And most of the time, if somebody wants to dim something, I would just recommend a smart bulb really.
0: Right. Yeah. Don't, Plug in your expensive, uh, beautiful Dyson electronic lamp into a lamp dimmer module. That will go poorly. Yes, exactly.
1: And then uh, Smart Home Ecosystems on the Easy Lamp Controller, it's both uh, Google Assistant and Amazon.
0: Okay, so you'd be able to connect these and use voice commands to turn them on and off and include them in any groups that you have and stuff like that.
1: Yep, exactly.
0: Now, if your target market for these is the the person who you know doesn't necessarily have a bunch of smart home stuff, they might, in fact, be the kind of customer that would go and buy one of those, I don't really think they still cost $5, but one of those inexpensive timers at a store to do this sort of thing. So... Like, what are we talking, like, what's the difference in terms of what this is going to cost someone versus just buying a timer? Because obviously you have to show the value there.
1: Right. So this was kind of one of the key reasons why we wanted to work with a a manufacturing partner on these devices is because, you know, we really wanted something that was low cost and affordable to be able to compete with some of the other devices like this in the market. Um, so the easy lamp controller uh sells for seventeen ninety five. Nice, yeah. So definitely starting to get a much lower price point for for people to get this a lot more accessible, and if somebody just wants to play around, you know, gives them a a really good entry price to do that. And then the rebooter is thirty four ninety five. So also, I think a, a pretty good uh price for you know being able to control one of those devices. Um. And it's definitely competitive or or even lower priced than similar types of devices focused on that use case.
0: Those are good prices. Those are really good. And I'm sure that the other part that helps make that possible is just not the initial expense of all the HomeKit stuff and everything else. Exactly. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, uh,
1: we're excited about it. Excited to get this out ahead of, you know, fourth quarter and holidays and stuff like that. So... I hope that some of our listeners check out some of these devices and love to hear your feedback and, um, interested to see what you think and also what we can do to, uh, you know, continue to improve these and, and take them to the next level. And if we sell a lot of them, uh, then maybe we can think about adding some HomeKit stuff down the line and we start to get into that software authentication stuff.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, we've talked about that, right? So do you really want to go to? Yeah,
1: we'll see. So yeah, yeah we're we're excited to, to experiment a little bit with some other, other interesting ways in, in controlling power and put out some devices that, you know, we think customers will like. All right, well, we're going to take a brief break. And when we return, we're going to talk a little bit about the Amazon event that happened recently and some other new types of products.
0: Hey, Adam, you ended up doing most of the talking in our last segment. And normally, um, I think you would do the second segment. Why don't we kind of, why don't we pinch hit here? Why don't we go back and forth and, and, uh, I'll start us off so that you can take a little bit of a voice break and just chime in. How's that? Sounds good. All right. So Amazon had an announcement of a ton of different events this week or a ton of different, products this week. This was a private event for press, and of course, The Verge and a bunch of other outlets have lots of coverage on it. So we'll have some links in our show notes to some different stories there that we think are worth taking a look at. Obviously, any Amazon product event is not complete without new Echo device announcements. So that's what I'll start with here. And we got a bunch of them. We have a new Echo and a new Echo Dot. Radical new design to these things. They kind of remind me of the Nexus Q, if anyone remembers that device from Google a few years back. They're spherical.
1: Yeah, uh, I'm going to attempt to not make any... uh... Ball jokes here, but yeah new new shapes and sizes, and um, definitely a little bit different and uh, the good news is if you if you still like uh the old form factor of uh you know the old dots, those are still available, but um, some new and different stuff here
0: yeah, so these both look like spheres. the dot is smaller than the echo the echo, the regular echo now has the Zigbee smart home stuff built into it. The Echo Dot does not. Both of those are replacing their predecessors at, I believe, the same prices that they were before, $100 and $50. You can pre-order all of this Echo stuff now that we're going to be talking about, and the devices we just mentioned are available on October 22nd. Now, you may remember that there was also an Echo Dot with a clock that came out last year. That is going to be revved as well into a spherical version. And that one is going to cost $60. It's going to be available on November 2nd. There's two new kids editions that I don't think are just going to be used by kids because they're pretty fun looking. Each one of them is 60 bucks, And one that looks like a tiger Also, as a sphere, it's coming out October 22nd, and another one that looks like a panda is coming out on December 9th. And those have all of the kids' options available where you can limit it to specific content and have it respond specifically to your kids and stuff like that.
1: These are adorable. And, uh, if my, <laughs> if my older two children didn't already have echoes in their rooms, I would probably get them one of these. My daughter, who's three, I don't think she's really at echo age right now. And, uh, I'm, I would be worried my kids would make announcements and wake her up if we did put one in her room. So when she's ready, then we'll get her a cute one.
0: Yeah. These are cool. I like them. Now, one that I'm not terribly fond of in terms of its overall design aesthetic is the new Echo Show 10. This is their largest show screen. It has a camera and sensors built in. It is, well, I would say that it looks like they took the Echo Studio and smashed a 10-inch tablet into the side of it on an angle and then put it on a lazy susan base because yes this thing does actually rotate and it's designed when you're using it and talking on it to follow you creepy (laughs) not like leave its place (laughs) but to turn on the axis so that it is following where you are while you're talking to it. Yeah, that is kind of weird. That's getting into that really uncomfortable territory, I think,
1: which we'll talk more about other uncomfortable yeah. things they've announced,
0: <laughs> but yeah, i i i get what they're after
1: here like especially if you're using this in the kitchen you know, you're, you're moving around, you're, you're doing stuff like for it to orient to you. But, uh, what immediately comes to mind in my mind is, uh, Tony Stark's like robot arms (laughs) that were
0: misbehaving.
1: (laughs) Like I could just see it like following you around the kitchen, even though you're not looking
0: at it and you're like, stop it. Yeah. I'm, I don't know. First of all, I just don't like the, the look of it. I don't think it's Desi- I, 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 this this harkens back to the awkward design of like the first generation show. I think it just seems like they they didn't really have the right design for this yet, but they came out with it anyway. Whatever, I'm sure people will get it. They will like it. It's going to be two hundred and fifty dollars. You can pre order it now. No specific availability date, which is kind of weird. It's a coming soon kind of thing. Yeah, I mean,
1: I think to me, this is just more of Amazon throwing more spaghetti against the wall and see what sticks. Uh, it's it's kind of a two-edged sword. You know, they're willing to try things, and they're willing to try out bold things, but, you know, some of those things are, are kind of strange. So
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, unlike last year's Ring and Specs, which didn't show up at all this year. Uh, they were announced kind of in a beta form, and I don't know that they ever moved past beta. This is this is just announced like it's a regular old product. But I think you're right. I think they're just trying stuff. Yeah, it, it to me it
1: kind of looks like somebody bolted a screen onto a HomePod. the The back of it looks right. like a HomePod,
0: but yep, yeah, it's it's strange. It is indeed now. All of these things are supposed to be using new processors that Amazon has created that are going to make it faster. I, I love this. Like the Verge's headline, usually the Verge's is, is almost too on target to the point of being obnoxiously snarky with their titles or their their uh, headlines. This one said that it is going to make a. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that assistant even faster to respond. Even faster? How about just fast? (laughs) Just fast would be great. But apparently, (laughs) this is going to improve performance of the ability to respond and and also, hopefully, maybe detect what you're saying a little bit better, too. Because I don't know about anybody else, I'm still at about 50%. Yeah,
1: it sounds like they're working on some of this stuff and... They also talked about some things for like multiple people talking at the same time, and uh, you know, more communicative. So uh, it sounds like there's some interesting updates uh, to come.
0: Yeah, and it sounds like that update may even come without the processor. Like the 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 other devices that are out there already might even get this upgrade that are is going to allow your assistant. Well, let me say that differently, so it's less creepy then it's inevitably going to sound you are going to be able to invite your assistant to join a conversation between people already talking and without explicitly addressing her, she'll respond when appropriate while listening to that conversation. Interesting. Is this something you think you're going to do, Adam? I don't know. I'm not too excited about this one. It's
1: uh, The only thing I can picture is like, uh, you know, two spouses fighting over something and then bringing the assistant into the argument. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what year was the actual? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I was right. <laughs> yeah, that'll go over well. Yeah. And then one more thing having to do with the Echo is an update to their Guard service. They're going to be upgrading this with a new paid feature called Guard Plus. And this paid feature is kind of interesting because it's going to add the ability for it to call emergency services based on the sounds that your devices in your home have detected after you say that you're away. Remember, you can already tell your devices that you're away and guard, if you've enabled it, will listen for weird stuff going on in your house. But this adds the ability to integrate with emergency services through some sort of uh, vetted call service. What's interesting here is that if you already have ring protect plus, meaning you're paying the $10 a month service fee for a bunch of ring stuff, you're going to get this for free. So you're just going to be able to integrate this additional guard capability into your, I'm sorry, I can't resist saying it, your ring of protection around your home.
1: That's interesting, because I was going to say I have no interest in this, but I actually pay that ring fee, so I would try it then. Yeah, it's kind of intriguing. Although... You know, watch, we accidentally set our home is away, and then they hear children screaming or something, and then the police get called. So that's the new world we live in.
0: It is. All right. Well, why don't you run us through some of the Ring stuff? Speaking of Ring, and I, I, can, <laughs> I think this is going to spawn some conversation, too.
1: Oh, for sure. So Ring is now in your car, um, not just for homes anymore. Uh, they announced two new products for cars. Uh, the first one was a car alarm. Um, sixty dollars. This goes in your o- OBD2 port. Interesting. Any thoughts on this?
0: I think it's kind of cool. I mean, it it has a siren on board that you could trigger remotely if you wanted to. It's basically watching for unexpected events, right? So you could have an alarm available in case your car gets moved or something like that when it when it shouldn't be. And or if it gets hit or whatever, here's here's what concerns me about this particular product. And I have concerns about most of these, but there are many customers who are kind of anti-ring because of the bad press they've had as a reaction to some questionable policies they have regarding data privacy primarily that you have the ability to just share anything that your devices are recording with police. Now that's something that you opt into, but regardless that's, that's giving the police all kinds of data based on your devices. Now here's a device that sits in the information part port in your vehicle that I don't know for a fact, but I have to imagine is going to be able to know where it is as well as anything else with that vehicle
1: speed. Yeah. All
0: kinds how of how fast it's going, stuff like that. Is this part of the information that you're now making available to police as well? And is that something that you want to do?
1: Yeah, I've always been super suspicious of these OBD2 port devices. It's really hard to
0: say, isn't it? I know. I always
1: <laughs> want to flip the D and the B too. Yep, I was, I'm always worried about you know somebody selling this to in, you know all of a sudden your insurance rates go up. You know, did they get some? Uh, right, I'm an I'm I'm an aggressive driver. I'm, well, let's be honest here. I'm an aggressive driver, and I don't want anybody to tell my insurance company I'm an aggressive driver. Hopefully, they're not <laughs> listening to this podcast, but. Putting that data out in the world doesn't feel great to me. That isn't what this is for, but yeah, what do, what other data do they get access to that I don't necessarily want out in the world? Exactly, exactly. The next device, uh, also for cars, is a car camera, $200, uh, and has both inside and outside camera views, and has a pulled-over mode, which uh, I think is interesting, um, you know, speaks a little bit to a problem we have uh, with with law enforcement in, in at least this country right now. But I think this is an interesting product, and, you know, I've certainly seen... In Ubers and Lyfts and things like that, you know, a lot more of those people have some sort of car camera and some cars like Tesla is actually offer some of this stuff built in too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's an interesting idea and, and a cool way to outfit an existing car that doesn't have this capability, um, you know, with some of that to, to you know, maintain your safety. You know, if you get in an accident too, having that camera footage of what happened, Um, can definitely save your butt in court. So it's an interesting product.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it has a forward-facing camera that is basically looking through your windshield at what's ahead of you. It has an interior-facing, fisheye-style camera that's looking at the passengers and interior of the vehicle. This, I guess, sits on your dash, if if I understand this correctly. So that's going to be just... Lovely, because we all love cords coming down our dash and Echo did that so well with the Echo No, they didn't actually. It's terrible. Anyway, so I I question the implementation of this, but I like what it's potentially achieving. If you, for example, have a 16-year-old and you they're they're gonna be driving a vehicle by themselves for the first time. You know, period of time, you may want to say, okay, this is a condition of you using this vehicle. This thing is going to be in this car all the time, or you don't get to use the car anymore. I think that's incredibly powerful and a really good safety measure. The pull, I'm being pulled over mode is phenomenal. And talk about flipping that concern that I just had on its head a little bit. This almost speaks to the timing of this is phenomenal because days ago there were well i guess weeks ago now really there were news stories about the police suddenly being concerned that you know ring cameras are making it harder for us to surprise people when we're doing a raid yeah well it goes both ways
1: (laughs) yeah Exactly.
0: Yeah, I'm less concerned about this. This is going to have sensors in it, too. So it's going to be able to detect, for example, if your car is oddly uneven while or or changes its orientation while it's parked, meaning that you're probably being towed or something like that. And uh, we'll be able to notify you if there's an anomaly while it's expecting that your car is empty, stuff like that. So it's cool. and. They've also created this API, it's worth mentioning, called Car Connect, that is going to take advantage of that thing you were just talking about with Tesla. Tesla has cameras and a sentry mode already in its vehicles if that's something you opt in uh to get in, or to use in your Tesla. And so they're going to be able to and and Tesla is going to be the first partner for this tie into that and incorporate that into your ring ecosystem
1: very cool all right before we talk about the big one here um they also announced that they're going to have end-to-end encryption for all devices by the end of the year so maybe this is something you already thought you know ring did it's definitely something they should be doing you know for security's sake so I'm excited to hear that. And as somebody who has Ring stuff in and around their house, I think this is a great step to, you know, making sure that those products that contain sensitive data are more encrypted and more safe.
0: Yeah, I think this got a lot of press. And I don't know the details on this, but a lot of times when a company says we're going to add end-to-end encryption and everybody's like, wait a minute. You didn't do that already? It's usually a last mile problem or in the case of most homes it's usually a last a, a last meters problem where it's probably end-to-end encrypted from between certain points but there's a gap somewhere and and that gap isn't always in an area that could be susceptible to hacking, so it's less problematic. But this just closes all those gaps.
1: Yeah, this article says, which we'll include in the show notes, that with this enabled, the video footage will be encrypted on the camera and can only be decrypted with the key stored on a mobile device.
0: Okay, and and so that is, in fact, it. That it was probably sending unencrypted video to your account and then from your account then that's getting encrypted
1: yeah it's probably encrypted in the cloud today but yeah um, there were some gaps there like you said yep and then our last ring device uh which was one that certainly set uh the internet ablaze was their new Always Home Cam. Definitely going to be high on Richard's list for Christmas. Definitely something you're going to want in your home.
0: (laughs) Christmas next year, because what's interesting about all the Ring stuff is we're not seeing any of it until next year.
1: (laughs) So this device is really quite something. It is a small mini drone that flies around your house with a camera on it.
0: It's a freaking security drone. I love it.
1: <laughs> mm. <laughs> Richard, would you ever have this in your home? I know what your failing is on indoor cameras. Would you ever have this?
0: Believe it or not, I think this would be something I'd be willing to test. Interesting. And, you know, this this seems absurd, but the the use cases that they talk about are really kind of useful, right? You could have a situation where your your house is armed and it's been breached. And so why not go see what's going on in that space? And particularly if you're someone like me who doesn't want a bunch of cameras throughout their home, you could have one camera that doesn't actually face anything, perhaps except a wall. And when It hears something when your system hears something, it deploys this thing to go investigate and see what's going on. I think that's pretty cool. You could also have a scenario where you want to call it and, you know, you could ask your assistant to send the drone to such and such a room. You basically map out your home for this thing and it either can use that or They say it's going to be autonomous, too, so it could figure out where it can go and where it can't go. You know, I worry about things like pets and ceiling fans and pendants and anything else that you might have in your home that could be a previously unconsidered impediment to something flying around your home. (laughs) But I'm intrigued. I'm really intrigued.
1: Yeah, I... I could see that. And actually, as you were saying that, for me, I could see like, you know, uh, a kid left the toy at home or something that we're searching for. And you're like, well, where did you leave it to be able to have that ability to fly the drone in and see is that thing sitting on their bed that they thought they brought along? You know, something like that could be interesting. Um, I'm surprised I thought there was no way in hell you would put one of these in your house but I, I think I get it that you don't want a camera that's always on that can capture something you don't want it captured or you know right. the privacy implications of this right versus this that's always off unless you need it and it gets called upon
0: right exactly. And the form factor of this is really interesting, too. It's one of those self-contained drones, in you know, so it's like this rectangular or square-ish thing where the the blades are encased in like a a, a cage, if you will. And it has a base that it docks in to charge and then just kind of lifts up from there and goes where it needs to in your home. This is, the word that comes to mind is ambitious. This is really ambitious for them. I remember when alarm.com floated this idea a couple years ago at CES. Floated. No, ton, <laughs> no pun intended. But they you know, it, that's part of what you do at CES is you put ideas out there and see how people respond to them. And they mentioned that this is something that they were looking into haven't heard anything more from them as far as doing this but it doesn't surprise me that some other company decided to go for it
1: yeah it's definitely interesting i i for me i would love one of these for outdoors i think outdoors would be even cooler than the indoor application like if you had a outdoor base station and a drone that, you know, would go around your perimeter at night or whatever. Maybe that's a little dystopian, but I think that would be really interesting. And, and it had
0: lasers <laughs> <laughs>
1: as a light that it would shine on you. <laughs> hey, what are you doing? I don't know. I, it, I agree. It's very ambitious and different.
0: And, uh, we'll see when, when have they said when this will be out next year? Now, all of this stuff is next year. So uh I, I would not expect to see anything. Personally, I, I would imagine we probably won't see anything until second quarter at the earliest. But they're not giving time frames other than next year. Yeah. Is that available to pre order yet? I don't know about that. Yeah, that that one I'm not sure. The Echo stuff was was Available for pre order. I don't know about these things. On to the
1: next things.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, this is not very exciting, but new Wi Fi. We have new Wi Fi. Actually, I think they've done some cool stuff here. So you may remember that Amazon purchased Eero and Eero routers, pretty, or Eero hotspots really got their, I think, got their moment when They were among the first that were offering some serious mesh for the home. And they probably helped popularize mesh around the home. Other companies have been doing it for a while, but this was one of the first consumer brands to really put it out there. And we're now at the point that they're releasing an Eero for Wi-Fi 6. So if that's something that interests you, it's called the Eero 6 It is one hundred and thirty dollars per node. The nice thing about about Wi-Fi six is you probably don't need as many of them because Wi-Fi six is going to be a lot better for you than prior generations of Wi-Fi. And then there's also an Eero Pro six that is going to be available for two hundred and thirty dollars. Uh, You know what's really cool about these? They're also smart home hubs with ZigBee that work with Amazon's assistant. Interesting. I didn't miss that piece. So I I think that's really smart. You know, certainly others in this space uh, have been predicting that we will start to see the smart home hub built into other devices, even mitch talked about that when we spoke with him in our last episode and i think that this is a really good example of where that makes sense let's build it into your hot spots
1: i already ordered these
0: <laughs> and and uh you should be expecting to receive yours on november 2nd when uh did you like order this the day they were announced
1: yep yep yesterday <laughs>
0: Uh for me, I, I'm not
1: a I don't upgrade my Wi Fi often, but I'm already a big fan of Eero and uh we do have gigabit service into our house, so the ability to get that gigabit speed on mobile devices, iPads and, and phones and stuff like that is compelling to me. So I ordered these, uh I'll replace my existing Eero stuff and We'll see how it goes. But yeah, I, at least for now, I, I'm excited about this. And I've been watching all the Wi-Fi 6 stuff from afar, waiting for this moment.
0: I guess the question that I have is, when is it on devices? I mean, are, th- are Apple's devices today equipped with Wi-Fi 6?
1: I asked that question, but I'm presuming new Apple devices will have Wi-Fi 6 I do have the latest iPad Pro, which is Wi-Fi 6. Oh, it is. Okay. Yeah, but I don't think any of the laptops or anything like that are yet. Uh, okay, so. so
0: then it would make sense that the new phone coming out would be Wi-Fi 6.
1: Yeah, all the new stuff, all the new iPads and everything they just announced were all Wi-Fi 6, so I'm... Uh, making a assumption that new phones will also have Wi-Fi six.
0: That makes sense. Now there were some other products that they announced. They announced some new fire TV devices, a refresh of the fire TV experience, a new gaming service. Those aren't really smart home related things. So we won't go in deep there, but I am curious if you were at all interested in the gaming service, Adam,
1: not really. Um, I I guess I'm watching from afar of all the streaming gaming things. Google has one. um, Xbox is doing one because I pay for the Xbox service. Um, If they and Apple can ever decide to get along, I'll I'll play around more with that. That one's the most interesting to me. But yeah, another one of these in the mix is kind of meh to me.
0: And then, you know, I was going to end this segment with a suggestion based on a rumor that, in fact, there may be a Prime Day this year yet. And some outlets are reporting that that would start because, as with all good, highly commercialized days, and I put that in air quotes anymore, Prime Day would be multiple days long, but it could start October 13th. So my suggestion adam was don't run out and order any of this stuff just yet
1: yeah well if they announce lower prices on euros on october 13th i'll just cancel my euro order and order them on amazon
0: yeah i i suppose the risk there is that you could end up in a situation where something that was going to be arriving for you on the 22nd of October or the 2nd of November is now not available until December or worse yet sometime next year because it's been in such demand already. True, true. So, yeah,
1: I don't know. We'll uh, we'll be looking certainly weird this year because we'll have Prime Day in October and then, you know, holiday stuff at the end of November. So... Uh, There should be lots of opportunities if you're not itching to get one of these right away to maybe get some discounts on some new stuff from Amazon.
0: Yeah, absolutely. All right.
1: Well, before we close out, uh, we do have a question from a listener. Uh, Listener Matt Corey asked, uh, we've heard about hardware you're using in your homes, but what about software you use to power your smart home? What feature of a smart home do you want? that could potentially be enabled with better automation or an app. I'll let you go first Richard.
0: Yeah, th- this is a really good question. So, what about software to power your smart home? I think I've mentioned I use a couple different things. I well, I help create a an Instion software control program called Homeboy, so I use that pretty regularly for my insteon stuff. And then I'm using Home more and more as my central way of controlling anything else, particularly now that I have Homebridge tying most things all into that. So it's nice to have one thing in there. I you know as far as the the big feature that I want right now when you create scenes or like you could have in smart home and or, sorry, smart things and set up things like modes where under certain conditions or at certain times of a day, your home would enter a certain mode. That mode is pretty much a set of presets and I'd love to see home kit or just even more systems out there Provide the ability to essentially reset your home to what it should be doing right now. Given all of the applicable parameters, who's home, what time of day is it, maybe even what season is it, and just know that, okay, I've turned all this stuff on or, or you know, I've turned all this stuff off or whatever. I just want it to be doing what it should be doing right now in October at 7.53 p.m. with the three of us home. And that's not an easy problem to solve. No. But it would be, I think, tremendously useful.
1: Yeah, I think my answer would be along those lines, I'll say... I'm more interested in the software that allows intelligent things to happen automatically rather than like just another app to control and configure stuff. I'd like to rather, you know, have some AI based stuff, um, some presence based stuff, some things that if you could just answer some nice questions in a WYSIWYG editor, it would know more about what you want to happen and when you want it to happen but like you said that's a hard problem to solve we need some better things like uh you know positional tracking presence yep. detection just more of that types of technologies i will mention one of the interesting things that was added to the new apple watch was their u1 chip with the ultra wide band so that's something i'm kind of like hmm that'd be interesting if there was a way to use that to do location throughout the home You know, Certainly an Apple Watch is something you're more likely to have on you as you're moving throughout the home. So that kind of stuff where you could be more intelligent about how you set scenes or handle things or track home and away, that's more the kind of stuff I I get really excited about.
0: Yeah, I'm particularly interested in that U1 chip. I remember when we talked about that when it was included in the phone, thinking that this could have huge implications for the smart home and then nothing happened with it still yet, but maybe maybe this year we'll see something.
1: Yeah, maybe. There's there's rumor that their tile like uh, competitor would go out, which I've always thought if there's a way to kind of hack that into smart home stuff where you put one of those tags in each room right. and then use that to determine proximity, um, we could do some really powerful stuff with that.
0: I think that's far more useful, quite frankly, although I think we're past the point of this tag rumor for over a year yeah. now, so I'm starting to lose a little bit of faith in this particular rumor. I don't know.
1: There seems to be more and more smoke around it, and it, like the product name was found in various softwares, and there's manufacturing rumors now, so I would be surprised if we don't hmm. see it at okay. the event in next month, but uh, we'll
0: see. All right. We will indeed. All right, Adam. Well, that is going to wrap it for this episode of the Smart Home Show. Where can people find you if they want to find out more about your company, your new products, or uh, I don't know, where you're not flying these days?
1: Yeah, uh, you can find me and everything I'm up to on Twitter at Adam Justice, and you can find everything that our company's up to other than those new products aren't on the website yet. <laughs> <laughs> at connexense.com, but you can find those on Amazon and we'll put them in the show links, but, uh, and I'll, I'll have to tweet about them as well. So we'll get those up on the website soon. How about you, Richard?
0: Uh, you can find me on Twitter, uh, at Richard Gunther. You can find me writing and podcasting at the digital media zone.com. And that's pretty much it. So if you want to find this show, You can find our show notes at smarthome.fm. And the show itself is part of the technology.fm network, which is a great collection of tech podcasts that also includes Home Tech FM, the Food Tech Show, and my other show, Home On. And then finally, if you have feedback for us, you can send that to us at feedback at smarthome.fm. I know we had some bounce backs recently. Sorry about that. But uh, if you have any problems, please let us know over Twitter or something. But we should have this working properly now.
1: Yes. Thank you to the listener who pointed that out to
0: us. So you can find our show everywhere. If you like it, tell a friend and leave us a rating. And that's it for us asking you for nice things to do for us. <laughs> Have a good day. Thanks.